Let us pray. Gracious God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may speak only the word you want spoken. And fill those who are listening today so they may hear only the word that you want heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Oh, what a gospel we just heard. The story of the rich man, the camel, and the eye of the needle. The tough one. And we might find ourselves asking, is Jesus talking to me? Is Jesus really asking me to sell everything I have and give it all to those who are living in poverty? We might find ourselves thinking, that's too much, Jesus. Can't do that. That's not realistic. Um, that's, I have too many responsibilities. I just, no. We might find ourselves just trying to turn those ears down a little bit and wait for something a little more palatable to come out of Jesus' mouth. And if we do that, we're going to miss out on some really important things that Jesus wants us to explore. So why don't we take a little time today and try and unpack this gospel passage a little bit together. So let's start with this first question. Is Jesus talking to me or is Jesus talking to you? The answer is maybe. It is a particular story to a particular person. And it is not a response that you see Jesus give to others. Take, for example, the story of Zacchaeus. You remember the, the height-challenged uh, man who had to climb the tree to see Jesus and Jesus invited himself over for a meal? When Jesus gets to the guy's house, he says, I am going to give half of everything I have to the poor. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to you. Today salvation has come to you in response to giving half, not giving all. Jesus didn't say, you still lack one thing, so half your stuff, go give the rest of it away at all. No, half, Jesus says, today salvation has come to you. That is sufficient in Zacchaeus' situation. Look at the story we have today. The disciples... When Jesus gets done with this man, the disciples realize that that doesn't include them. Now, why does it include them? Didn't they give everything up to follow Jesus? Well, sort of. They left everything. They didn't say they sold it all and gave it all the way to the poor. In fact, they just kind of left it where it was. Some of them still have families they need to be taken care of. And we know that after Jesus' resurrection, some of them go back to work. They still have their boats. They still have their nets. And they're able to go right back to it. So, no. The disciples were called and they weren't called with this precise request either. So this is not a universal injunction. But it is more than this rich young man. There are many throughout the ages who have heard these words and heard Jesus speaking to them. The most famous example here, of course, is St. Francis, who we celebrated last week with that beautiful pet blessing. But St. Francis is so much more than a pet blessing. 
St. Francis heard these words and he realized that he too was the rich young man who needed to sell everything he had. And he gave it all up, an act that made his father very angry. He came from a wealthy family. But that's what he did. And in the process of giving it all away and living the rest of his life in abject poverty, begging for his food as he went, he found utter joy. He found to be a life-giving act. And he found his salvation in the process. So for St. Francis, the answer was yes. And there are many more, especially monastics who've taken up a vow of poverty, who've heard this passage, they've heard Jesus speaking to them, and they know that this is what they need to do. But people who do that often say, this is not for everyone. They know that it is a unique call for some who are called to it. What we see is not a universal injunction to do this one thing, but we do see Jesus regularly talking about money and the way that our possessions do reflect something about our life and our salvation. And so instead of seeing this as a kind of a singular um, requirement for us to do. It's probably better for us to see it as an invitation to look at what our relationship is to money, to our possessions. Do we let our possessions control us to possess us or do we possess them? Do we control them? Do we use our possessions in a way that reflects our gratitude to God for the gift that they are from God? Do we use our possession in such a way that reflects our love of God and our love of neighbor, as Jesus calls us to do? Those are the kinds of questions. And for some, that's required giving everything away. For others, it's half. For others, it's something else. But it does require us to see the way that our possessions are an extension of who we are. And therefore, they have something to do with our faith, and our life as we follow Jesus. There's a second part of this gospel that's really important, and that is this whole question about the camel and the eye of the needle. Um, now here's the, the simple fact. A camel cannot go through the eye of a needle. And this is just a stuffed camel. It's not a real camel. Can't really get a bigger needle and make it any easier. Still not going through, right? Now, there's been all kinds of efforts to try and explain this away, to talk it down a bit. Um, I'll just very simply put, uh, scholars say that none of those answers really make a lot of sense, and it's not really worth getting into all of them. I'm happy to talk to any of you about it another time if you want to, um, but they don't really make sense. Um, and any effort to try and explain this away and try and make it easier that camel gets the eye of the needle by redefining the camel or redefining the needle ultimately doesn't make sense in the context of the story because the disciples say well that's impossible and Jesus says yes that is impossible for you to do it is impossible for the camel to go through the eye of the needle no matter how big or small the camel or the needle are it is impossible that's the point of the story it's impossible for us. It is only possible 
for God. We hear in here kind of an echo of that Annunciation story when Mary says, that's not possible. And the angel says, ah, but all things are possible for God. Similar kind of thing here. This is possible only by God's grace, mercy, and love. And so, sure, it's not possible for any of us of our own volition, of our own action. It is God's grace coming into our lives that allows each one of us to enter in through that eye of the needle. But does that mean then we can just sit back and not worry about any of this? No, it doesn't. We can't just rest upon that grace completely. We need to respond to that grace. And Jesus does ask us to do that through our possessions as one of the ways that we respond to this. By, as we said earlier, making sure we control instead of being controlled by our possessions, by acting in gratitude, and by using our possessions to love, to love God and to love our neighbor. As we mentioned earlier, we're kicking off our annual pledge drive. And most of that pledge drive is talking about why St. Mary's is so wonderful and why we want you to support St. Mary's as I have supported St. Mary's through my pledge. Um, But there is a whole nother element to this that I want you to seriously consider. That is to use the pledge drive time not only to think about St. Mary's and St. Mary's ministries, but to take the time to do that reflection that Jesus is calling us to do in this gospel. To take that time as we look at our finances and we look at what it is we're able to do in terms of a pledge, but to ask those deeper questions about what is our relationship to our money? Who is controlling who? Who is possessing who? Are we living a life full of gratitude? And does our money and the way we use our money reflect that gratitude? And are we using our money in such a way that it embodies God's love, embodies our love for God, and embodies our love for our neighbor? I encourage you to take the time in these coming weeks to do that work. And to ask, answer the question, what is God calling you to do with your life and your resources in light of the gospel? Amen.